You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number seven. It's like the perfect number. It's got to be a good episode. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening today and tuning in wherever you are, wherever this finds you. Thanks for uh, for coming along and being here. Uh, I appreciate you listening. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming over to the show. And uh, you picked a good one to start with. If you're coming back and you're returning back, well, thanks for coming back. As always, if you uh, are enjoying the show, finding it helpful and useful, I would appreciate it if you'd share it with somebody, and especially if you'd go over to iTunes and subscribe there and leave a review. That would be great. You can do that by going to thelongerhall.com slash iTunes, and that will take you over there. Super, super helpful. Um, finds Helps other youth pastors, youth workers find the podcast there on iTunes, uh, especially. And uh, it's just encouraging for me. You know, one of the things about podcasting, as fun as it is, and as much fun as I'm having with it, I'm basically talking into a microphone. And so sometimes it's a uh, a little hard to hear that. So the feedback and reviews so far have been great. Super encouraging. Thank you so much to everybody who's done that already. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do that. You can also find me on Twitter at, at Jody Livingston and, of course, on Facebook. All the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode will be in the show notes at thelongerhall.com slash episode 007. thelongerhall.com slash episode 007. Seven, uh, So head over there to find all of the goodies that we mention here in the show today. Today's episode is really, really good. Honestly, it, it may be the most important thing that I have shared to date, whether through the blog at thelongerhall.com or and especially on the podcast. And we've had some really good stuff, really important um, things. But today you're going to hear from Steve Parr. Uh, he worked here in Georgia, where I serve with the Georgia Baptist Convention. In particular, he's going to share some research that they have done on why students stay in church after graduating high school. So much has been said and made of and written about uh, about the students who are leaving, graduating from God, so to speak, leaving the faith, walking away from church after leaving our student ministries. And what Steve has done is come in and polled and done a lot of research to find out those folks that stayed in church into their adulthood, what were the things that led them to stay? And so as a youth pastor, youth worker, this is the information that we need. And what's really, really great, and you'll hear him say this in the interview, is all of the things that they found, um, out of all of them, almost all of them are actionable items that you can take action from today. So the things he's going to share in the interview today, um, you're going to be able to walk away from this interview with with some real practical steps to take to help ensure that the students you're ministering to right now and serving are going to stay there and stay put and stay committed to the church and to their faith over the longer haul of their life. So we talk a lot about the longer haul of your ministry and encouraging you to stay put and invest there. But beyond that, the students that you're serving, making sure and ensuring that they stay Stay put and stay placed. Also, just as a side note, and we'll we talk about this in the interview as well. Steve is the author of the Coffee Shop That Changed the Church, which is one of the uh, books that 
I put on my list uh, recently for five books every youth worker should read. And um, we talk about it just briefly in the interview, but man, I cannot recommend that book to you enough. It's just a fun, enjoyable read on top of being very helpful and very practical. So uh, again, that'll be in the show notes. Great interview today for you. Just a, a really, really helpful, important, useful interview. Uh, and so with that said, we'll jump right into the interview here with Steve Parr. Hey, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on and being willing to share with us. I'm, I'm really excited about what you have to share. Uh, I think it's really helpful and needed, not just for youth pastors and youth workers, but for parents, really anybody in, in church, working in church, whether they're volunteer or on staff. Uh, and something I think has largely been neglected in that, and that is why these kids are staying in church after they graduate. Important subject, Jody. I'm honored to be with you, too, by the way. Uh, a passion of mine, I want to give just a little backdrop of how this came about. Uh, there's a lot being written today about the erosion of uh, attendance in North America, and uh, certainly not denying that. And you wed that with my desire uh, to, uh, you know, as a church, as a leader, to reach the next generation. Well, between me and you, if we don't do a good job of of, of discipling and keeping the students in our group now as adults, there's going to be no one to reach the following generation. And uh, so I, I did a lot of this research on, and we're going to talk about how uh, students who have grown up in church, the ones that are staying when they're 28 and 30 and 32, why are they still there? So it's some powerful information that I know those who are listening are going to benefit from and uh, help them in their ministries. Yeah, and I've seen, I mean, there's been several, several books, tons of articles and research written on why they're leaving. But no one that I know of, at least, has really done a considerable amount of research on why the ones that stay are actually staying. Yeah, we, we took a, a, a national survey, so it wasn't just localized here, all across all, all North America, including Canada, and uh, got a scientifically credible you know, sampling there, uh, all denominations. And the criteria were the, those who responded to the survey had to be 26 to 39 years of age, so younger adults. And the other key was that they grew up attending church. Hmm. And so we want to know of those who attended church who are still there, why are they still there? And uh, again, some very compelling information we learned from this research. So before we jump into the research, take a minute um, for folks listening who may not know you and just kind of introduce yourself a little bit, maybe maybe a little bit of your background uh, in youth ministry and, and why it is even that this is such a passion for you. You bet. I, I came out of college as a teacher and a coach, uh, did that for several years, and then God called me to the gospel ministry to be a preacher. And uh, I did not know what that meant, but uh, very soon I found myself uh, working with students. I already did it as a volunteer, uh, but was a pastor for students for over a decade and a pastor of college students for about three years. So the first 14 years or so of my ministry was specifically with students. Uh, since then, uh I currently serve the Georgia Baptist Convention. I'm the vice president of staff coordination and development, meaning that I uh, provide leadership for the missionary staff here in Georgia, uh, helping them to grow and develop in their leadership. Uh, I'm also blessed, though. I do a lot of writing and about groups like Sunday School or about whatever name they go by. And, uh, of course, you're familiar with my novel, The Coffee Shop That Changed the Church. So uh, I write, I speak, I train, I equip. But my roots are with youth ministry, student ministry, and I still have a uh, although I don't speak as often in that realm, I still get those opportunities. I still have a great passion for students and young people. And, and uh, so this is a subject near and dear to my heart, how we can do a great job with our 
teens particularly and uh, give them, them the experience they need that's going to hopefully result in them serving Christ, coming to faith in Him, but serving Him for a lifetime. Yeah, and again, I've, we, you and I have talked about this before, and I've written about this uh, on the blog and, and even even talked about it uh, some to, to our listeners. There, the book... Uh, the coffee shop that changed a church. I, I'd read the five dysfunctions of a team earlier uh, through just some training and things that we were doing as, as staff in different areas. Um, but man, I, that book to me, I, in fact, I wrote a post, the five, five books every youth worker should read. And I intentionally tried to pick books that maybe they had not read that I thought would be really helpful. And, and that one was an easy, easy pick for that list because, um, I think a lot of times we find books in in the leadership realm, especially that are that are kind of very bullet point, and sometimes it's hard to kind of to stay with those and draw out all that's there. And the approach that you took in the coffee shop that changed the church, with from the novel perspective, really helped cement not only the principles that were there, but also kind of see those things play out and what that would look like in in a ministry, which I think is something that a lot of times we miss in your typical how-to leadership style book. So, I mean, I appreciate that book. I want to encourage those listeners. Uh, it is a great book, and it's not because I wrote it. God just really blessed there. It's a compelling story, as you know, when you read it. If you're a youth pastor, you're going to relate to it, because there's kind of a youth ministry type of uh, underlying thing that goes through it, although it's about a younger pastor, and uh, has a great ending that affirms youth pastors. And uh, I, I'm confident, I don't know how many authors you're here say this, but if one of your listeners buys that book, if you don't like it, man, I'll literally buy it back from you. Uh, I'm asked how confident I am that it will bless your ministry and help you to grow as a leader. And you can get it on, on uh, Audible now. You can get it, you know, Kindle, uh, hard copy, all kinds of ways. Coffee shop that changed the church. And I appreciate you uh, giving a shout out for that. Yeah, I'll buy it back because I'll take it and give it to somebody else because I've, I have exactly. given away so many copies of that book. Um, yeah. that, that I just think it's super helpful regardless of what your role is on staff anywhere. And, and every, everybody can relate to, to that, that book, regardless of the size of the church or the ministry, the location, where it's at. I mean, there's so many just, it's just great. I, I finished the book and I, I missed Pastor Mitch. I, I, I woke Yeah, that's good. I was like, man, I want to know what's going on with Pastor Mitch now. How's that working out? That's great. But thanks. Let's jump in here a little bit to to some of the research that you found. And you shared a little bit. You know, I, I was able to hear some of this uh, about a month ago that you shared. And I, I'll be honest, they weren't it wasn't really what I expected. Um, I, I, you know, you, you kind of have some guesses that I would, I would say, well, I would think it would be this. I would think it would be that. And it, it didn't necessarily pan out that way in all the ones that you shared there. That that's interesting to hear, you know, to hear about reflection for you because we have not discussed this. Uh, I, I don't know what people expect. Uh, as we did the research and we began to crunch the data, uh, I had some surprises when I looked at this. Uh, some things were kind of obvious, and some things were obvious, but I'd never noticed. It's like, uh, oh, I never thought about that. That makes sense, and. The thing about it, Jody, that I like about this research, though, and you may recall, I think I do recall the presentation you were in, there's 15 major takeaways. There were 13 smaller ones. So there's 28 takeaways, but uh, I generally focus on the 15 or a group of those, and we won't share them all today, but just a, a piece of them. But the thing is, of the 15, 14, you can tangibly get your hands around and improve on as a parent or as a pastor. 
And that, that's what's neat about it. It's not just theoretical, you know. Uh, we can actually improve in these areas. And so I think that's what makes it very powerful. Yeah, it's not, you know, a lot of times you'll see research come out and it's almost just research for the sake of research. And then, right. okay, now what do I do with that? And Right. No, I'll tell you, your listeners, when we finish this podcast, they're going to they're gonna have a couple things I know they, they can take right now and begin to work on in their family and in their church. And that's Absolutely. Exciting. And I have, even since last month, we came back uh, and, and, and talked about that as an education department here and some things that we could start doing. And then I've even talked with our youth workers and several parents about already as a result of what you shared there. So I'm really excited for folks to hear it today for sure. Right. Well, do you want me to jump into a particular thing that piqued your interest before, or you want me to just throw one on the table for us to discuss? What no, would you like I, to do? I think you just threw, because I only heard a small portion, obviously, so um, I'll trust your judgment on that. You kind of throw out whatever you think it would be most helpful. Sure. I'm going to share one here that has implications for uh, you as a youth pastor, but uh, uh, you may be pastoring someday, but it applies right now to where you are. Uh, for those who grew up in church who are still there, uh, this is very important to understand. They said they personally loved their pastor when they were growing up. Uh, so just kind of let that sink in for me. They personally loved their pastor. And that's not taking anything away from the staff, but that pastor plays an important role. And let me kind of break this down for you a little bit, Jody, and let you interact with me about it. You know, you and I understand, and your listeners, the uh, priesthood of the believer, that we need not go through any human agent to get to God. I mean, we can go directly to him based on what Jesus did on the cross, and uh, so thankful for that. But the reality is for a, a child particularly, uh, to some degree younger teens, who are not as abstract in their thinking, they uh, associate, especially the younger they are, they associate uh, the pastor uh, with being God's representative. So, so just think about it for a moment. If they have a dislike for God's representative, they can draw a wrong conclusion, but may draw the conclusion they don't like God, they don't like church, they don't like spiritual things. So it's very important that as youth pastors or as pastors, we're doing things to help our teens and children uh, be endeared to the senior pastor. Yeah. So that, you know, I, immediately my first thought is moms and dads need to be careful around the lunch table on Sundays and, and how they speak about their pastor. You nailed it. And see, when you're as a youth pastor, you're working with parents, you're encouraging parents, and you need to remind them of that. I was with a young lady here just very recently, and she said, you know, I just found out my pastor did not like my pastor growing up. She said, I didn't know that. And she asked her parents about it and said, you're, you're serious. You didn't like it? They said, no. She said, well, I never knew it. And they said, well, we know that they, they did not let her know that because had they undermined the credibility of the pastor, Without meaning to, they would have been sabotaging to some degree her faith. And you'll hear me use that term several times, sabotaging their faith. And I don't think it's always intentional, but when you chew up the pastor uh, and undermine their credibility in front of a teenager or in front of a child, you're, you're really doing harm to their faith because, again, they're more concrete in their thinking the younger they are. Yeah, and I'll I'll be real transparent and, and maybe a little confrontational even on this for, for those listening who are in a ministry position that becomes increasingly important when you're on staff because your interactions with your pastor are much different than maybe the church member at large. And you're, you're privy to a, a whole new side in some ways, a different side than maybe the church member would have on a Sunday morning to your pastor in those interactions. And you've got to be mindful of that with your family, that you're guarding, I would say, not even the hearts of your kids, but your wife from that. I mean, at the end of the day, they've got to go and worship there. There's some things that you just need to 
to not to not share with and regardless of what it is there's i think what this shows more than anything is that there's there's a, there's something bigger at stake here than your own ego and uh, and so you've got to for the sake of your kids be mindful and careful how you speak about your pastor in front of your own family as a staff member that's true, Jody. I, I wouldn't think with the students that'd be a big issue. I'm not going to say a youth pastor would never do that or a staff member, but certainly it's not appropriate. But we do let our guard down maybe a little bit more in front of our wives and our family. And you understand, Jody, I'm not talking about covering up or hiding or, or not confronting where confrontation needs to be made. But sometimes you deal with things one-on-one. It doesn't mean that your children have to know about it particularly, Sure. Uh, especially when they're young. Just need to exercise discretion and wisdom uh, and understand that uh, – the pastor does hold a, a place of prominence uh, in the lives of, of members. And if the pastor is not credible, many times the church is not credible. We see that in the community days. Why some people don't go to church, they don't trust pastors or whatever. It may even go down to this issue because of what they experience with their own pastors. Uh, I want to say this also uh, as a youth pastor, be thinking about uh, your your pastor. When I say you, Judd, your sort of listener is, every pastor has a different personality. I understand that. There are several more uh, uh gregarious and outgoing than others. Uh, some are more administrative, but you would do well as a youth pastor or a children's pastor or whatever to do anything you can uh, to occasionally connect your pastor with the group. And it's, for example, where I served as a youth pastor, uh, we grew, became a mega church. So the pastor, quite frankly, didn't have a lot of time to be with students, but let me tell you what he would do. Anytime we had a youth camp, he was there bell to bell. Hmm. And when I say bell to bell, I mean, I don't mean speaking, he'd do that too, but I mean sitting around the pool, uh, just going to dinner, eating with the students, hanging out, and uh, for you who will be future pastors, you need to hear this. It'd be easy to take a break that week, but uh, I I recognize now the genius in what he was doing. He was probably doing more in relationship with those students in those five days than he could do in 52 weeks of sermons with those students in the normal course of our church. And I look back at the students that came up in my ministry, and I'm, I'm thankful for the influence I had. But a lot of it had to do with the pastor and uh, the, the influence that he had and, and just loving on students and loving on children. He was very purposeful about it. And this, this what we found out reinforces that because uh, uh, we all know uh, of students who have had bad experiences with pastors. And uh, pastors, we, you don't need to be like for the sake of being like, but neither do you need to neglect the fact that, uh, it's important to endear yourself to people, and that comes down to relationships, and we should all be relationship-oriented when we're in ministry. Yeah, we've done that here. Um, we try to, we try our best here in our student ministry to get our staff around our students. So it, a couple of years ago for our D-Now, we, we just had our worship pastor lead the worship, and we had our pastor do the teaching. And uh, it was awesome. It was, uh, And our pastor really, really enjoyed it as well because it gave him an opportunity to speak directly to them in a way that he can't do on a Sunday morning. Um, or And he's always really intentional to, like you're saying, during camp. He's, he may not be able to be there for the whole week, but he'll at least come up and, and, and hang out for a day. And he's just really intentional with a lot of those things. And, um, and, and in our case here, I will say it, it's very obvious the, the impact of this point that they just love him, and, and it, it really, really pays dividends in their life and in their family. Well, let me just put in a kind of a bullet point to those who are listening. The more the students in your group like the senior pastor, the more likely they are to still be in church when they're adults. 
So therefore, do anything you can to enhance the relationship between your senior pastor and the students. And we're certainly not suggesting your relationship's not important. As a matter of fact, that'd be a good segue, Jed, to talk about the youth pastor's role also, because certainly his or her role is important also. Does it care the same way as a senior pastor? Well, yes and no. One thing we discovered through this that, and this may sound offensive to a youth pastor on the front end, but if you'll hear me out, I think you'll be satisfied with the resolution that whether or not one had a youth pastor growing up seemed to have no bearing over whether they were still in church as adults. But that's probably more a reflection on the size of churches than it is uh, the ministry of youth pastors, because here in Georgia, just as an example, three in four churches do not have a vocational youth pastor. Now, let me tell you why this is good news. If it required a vocational youth pastor to help a student to uh, develop in their faith and to be in church as adults, 75% of our churches would be in trouble. Well, the reality is uh, uh, volunteers can do a really good job. And the reason I'm saying this to youth pastors now, a lot of you as youth pastors, you work with churches, you're invited to go to conferences, and you'll do that small group Sunday school training or whatever, that youth group training. And a lot of the people sitting in front of you are not youth pastors, they're volunteers, and you need to encourage them. They can make a, a great impact on students, even as volunteers. But by the same token, we did find, Jody, that if if they did have a youth pastor, whether they liked him or not, had a great influence, just like with a pastor, on whether they were in church as adults. As a matter of fact, we found that if they liked their youth pastor growing up, they were 16%, which is, you know, significant, 16% more likely to still be in church than if they did not like their youth pastor when they were growing up. So the youth pastor bears influence also if they have one. Yeah, and I, I think that's something that I see a lot is you, it's the quality of the ministry more so that that kind of carries the weight there. So, you know, whether it's volunteer-led or, or a youth pastor, you've got folks genuinely loving teens, steering them to Jesus, inviting them into their lives, living life with them, alongside them, being intentional. I mean, th- those things, they, they play dividends for years and years to come. And so that's encouraging, I think, for anybody, because I think even even guys, you know, even even youth pastors who are serving at a small church can often be discouraged because they look around and they see a landscape that appears that most churches are very large, and that's just not reality. It's not. As a matter of fact, uh, 100, excuse me, in, in Georgia, and it's pretty similar in the South particularly, uh, 70% of churches average less than 100 in worship, which means, you know, they're working with uh, volunteers. Uh, also, in, in that light, uh, our youth pastors need to be aware of this, that having multiple youth pastors, we saw a negative correlation between attendance in church as adults and having multiple youth pastors. So if you're if you're rotating youth pastors in and out, it's actually detrimental. Even in other words, it's it's better to have no youth pastor than to have five youth pastors in four years. It was detrimental. So th- that says something to the people listening to this right now. When you when you go to a church, you, you've got to go in. When I say for the long haul, I don't mean you got to be there for your whole ministry career. I don't mean you got to be there for decades. But if you're not planning to be there four or five years, you really don't even need to uh, make a commitment because. Uh, it, again, it, it seems to undermine the the strength of the faith of, of teenagers who have multiple youth pastors. So if they have one, it's important that he that they like him. Uh, if they don't have one, again, you got to have some volunteers because youth ministry. We did find that youth ministry is important, and there was a positive correlation if they had a youth ministry when they were growing up. 
But again, having multiple youth pastors or youth pastors not liked was, again, a negative correlation. And that one did not surprise me. And that that is, if there's one thing, if you're, man, if I could boil down one thing, what is it that drives me most? Why the blog? Why the podcast? What What is my, at the core of, you know, what's my heart in that towards youth pastors? It is legitimately to encourage them to stay put because, and I have written on so many different topics with this, why I think guys leave, youth pastors leave, why they should stay. I think there are certain benchmarks you can see and hit in that. And I'm convinced that you can't really be effective as a youth pastor, at least carry a significant amount of influence there until, you know, you, you've been in one place for about five years because up until then, especially if there's like, okay, when I came on staff here, I was the fifth youth pastor in seven years. There was no trust. There was no trust. And I had a student tell me um, when I was asking, you know, her to kind of get plugged in and involved in something. She looked at me and said, I don't know why I should listen to anything you say. You're just going to leave like the rest. Yeah. And gosh, that is heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking in that. And I, I think in the background, what that is building in the students is just a distrust of not just not just church, but authority. Um, and certainly that plays an impact in how they view the gospel and those that, that have been called to shepherd and lead in the church. I tell you, it's so important for youth pastors, uh, again, to have that long view. And when I say long view, uh, several years. And I don't want to, you know, it's, it's, I have to be cautious about saying how many years because, you know, we do have to follow the leadership of the Lord. That's that's certainly true. And uh, quite frankly, I was only in my first youth ministry for one year. I just sat straight up. Uh, and I learned a lot about what not to do that year. We all know how it goes our first year in ministry. But then the next church, I was there 14 years, and 10 of, 10 of those years were, were as student pastor. And so I uh, spent a lot of time, and I'm, I'm bearing a lot of fruit of that now by looking back and seeing uh, students who were in ministry and college professors and missionaries. And as a matter of fact, uh, the pastor of my home church, I, I'm not pastoring a church. I, I go to churches all over, but the pastor of my home church is one of my former students. So it's great to see the fruit of that uh, going through. But I, I do want to say to youth pastors, uh, a lot of qualities you need to work on, but relationships, 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 and not just with students, but with parents also. And what happens there when you have a good relationship with parents and with church leaders, when you do make a mistake, and you will because we all do, uh, you'll get a pass uh, yeah. I mean, if it's not just an overwhelming thing. If you don't have a relationship with parents, things although the students love you, if the parents don't have a relationship, they're not going to give you that pass when you make the mistake that you'll ultimately, we all make uh, goofs, you know, uh, when we do ministry. Uh, you know, if, if you don't fail, you're not trying, you know, so we'll, we'll all mess up. I'm not talking about a moral failure here, by the way. I'm talking about just the, you know, we get back an hour later than we're supposed to. Right. Well, if your parents love you, they'll give you a pass. But uh, if, if they have a relationship with you, they're very frustrated when they're sitting in the parking lot at 1130 at night and we're right. not back on time. You know, so, and that, uh, that cannot happen sitting in your office. Right, right. You've got to get out of your office and you've right. got to take folks. You've got to be in and among the people you serve. Hey, let me tell you a must-read for youth pastors. I, I think any staff member. Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's an old classic. Yes. Uh, let me tell you, whatever you do, you'll you'll benefit from this book, I'm telling you. Uh, and, and it'll help you in, in people skills. Uh, Jody, I'm, I'm somewhat introverted, and people are surprised by that. Uh, it's important that you know yourself. And I'm mildly introverted, not extreme, but mildly. But I, I do know myself. I get I get energized by being alone. I get drained by being with people. Whereas an extrovert, 
gets energized by being with people and is drained by being alone. Well, knowing that about myself, I've had to develop people skills. And I mean, I could spend a, a, a podcast with you on that and what I've done and, and how it's benefited my ministry. But just to say to youth pastors, we all have different personalities, but no matter what your personality, no matter what your temperament, you must be relationship driven. Yeah. And I think in youth ministry, that that is really, I mean, I think it's difficult in everything, but in, in youth ministry, it can be really difficult because there's kind of this stereotype of the youth pastor that they're this crazy, outgoing, goofy, super fun, always up front kind of person. And and in my life, that's not me at all. I'm much more introverted than extroverted. Um, I, I can do the crowd when I need to, but if you give me a choice, I'd rather not. My my idea of a beautiful, wonderful day, if I could do anything, would be far away from people off hiking or camping somewhere by myself. That That would be lovely. It never happens, but it would be amazing. So I, I think, though, like you're saying, you're so right. Recognize who you are, your strengths and weaknesses. That doesn't give you a pass. It just means you're going to do things differently. And in some ways, it, it's almost stronger because I, I think the challenge for an extrovert is you want to be up front and among a lot of people, but you're always up front and among a lot of people. And so you have to be intentional to invest in those one-on-ones where an introvert maybe has the opposite problem. They're probably stronger in a one-on-one or a smaller group, but they struggle to be with the larger group as a whole. And so knowing yourself is really, really helpful. And I have read that book a few times, and it is, it, it is, it is definitely a, a good read for anybody. I'll just uh, close this point just saying that, you know, the extrovert, uh, you just naturally love being around people. You have to work on administration because you may not like being in the office. But the, the fact is, no matter what your role in ministry, whether youth pastor, pastor, minister of education, minister of music, whatever it is, you, you must have some administrative, uh, I don't want to say skill. Well, yeah, you do. You may not have administrative gifts, but you've got to develop administrative skills because there is an organizational dynamic to what we do because we're dealing with a lot of moving parts, a lot of people. So, uh, you know, don't neglect on either side. And it's a journey. I understand that. But uh, continue to grow in those areas because it is important, uh, those relationships with our, our students and, and the effect it makes on them uh, later on. Jody, let me use this as a segue, too, to talk about something about parents that uh, your uh, leaders who are listening to this can utilize. Here's something else we discovered that I thought was very intriguing. Those who are still in church as adults who grew up in church, here's something they said. Their mom and dad served in the church when they were growing up. Hmm. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about the way we define being churched. And it's kind of uh, scary, quite frankly, when you recognize that when we say church, a lot of people, a lot of these surveys or studies, you're talking about people who attend church two times a month or more. Uh, I always take somebody there every Sunday, you know, uh, but that's not necessarily the case. But the reality is, for students whose parents either do not attend or attend sporadically, or even if they attend and don't serve, we found a negative correlation between that and whether they're in church as uh, as adults, the st- that students in church as an adult. So it's important we have parents to understand that their their children, their teenagers, must see them serving. I think it goes back to uh, what Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Of course, we know that's the first commandment that he gave. And when you're serving and your teens and children know you're serving, you're saying, I'm all in. I, I love God with all my heart, all my mind. I'm not just, I don't love him a lot. I, I love him with all I've got. And so we've got to help parents understand uh, the value of serving 
that it actually strengthens the faith of their own children. Yeah, and it strengthens the family for sure because, you know, you're not just kind of warming the pew anymore. I mean, you can't serve in church and not not bring your family along in any capacity. I mean, they're, they're going to see that. If you're teaching a small group or Sunday school class, you know, your kids are going to see you preparing for that, hopefully. They're going to see you putting the time into that. Um, if you're, you know, if you're leading, like we have most of our youth leaders are parents. Well, when they're coming to events or coming to things, a lot of times they're, they've got kids who aren't in the youth ministry yet. They're coming along and, and plugging into being part of that as well. And so, you know, all of that, I could definitely see how that would strengthen that. And that's a challenge trying to convince it's, it's, it's hard enough sometimes to convince families to just to come to church consistently. And now you're, you're saying come and, and serve in the pace of life that so many of these families are living in and they're running in so many different directions. That's something that we're going to have to really focus on and how do we get them to move beyond just attending and actually plugged in and serving. Well, parents need to hear this message and, and listen, this is not a minor point. We found that a, uh, an adult who went to church growing up, that it was like they were 50% more likely to still be in church if, if their parents served when they were growing up. Wow. So I know, again, our audience here, they're often helping, speaking with parents, and parents need to hear this message. It, it's a significant uh, factor. It, it makes sense when you look at the Scripture, obviously, and that's what somebody told me one time, you know, that the, a lot of what we found through the research there's a, a scriptural underpinning, and you can study Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 to see the underpinning here about how we equip the saints for the work of ministry and how we're all connected and we all you know, provide for the body, and that's what causes the growth of the body. So we've got to help our parents. I, I think one thing we can do here, too, though, I've noticed this, Judd. I don't know if you have or not, but a lot of times in our churches, when we get people to serve, we're always thinking in 12-month blocks. Have you noticed that? Yes. You know, we enlist for the Sunday school year or, or the you know uh, the, the fiscal year. We want you to be on this team, this committee for a year. And I don't think we need to stop doing that. But I think we need multiple levels of entry for adults. Uh, here's a here's a weekend where you can come and serve. Here's a week. Here's a here's a 13-week project we need you to work on. Uh, we don't need to neglect those year-long commitments, certainly. And uh, going back to my earlier point, as a youth pastor, when I would enlist a Sunday school Bible study leader, I would enlist a, a Bible study teacher for 24 months, actually. In other words, uh, when I enlisted a Bible study leader, when you teach seventh grade, you teach them in the seventh and eighth grade. When you teach ninth grade, you teach ninth and tenth grade because I found the relationships just getting cranked up around May or right. starting reenlistment. So, so I, I actually encourage twenty-four month commitments. But I, I'm just saying, not everybody's going to make that commitment. Not everybody's going to commit twelve months. Here's where youth pastors can help when you do that disciple now weekend. Uh, when you have that youth camp, when you can get people to commit for that weekend or that week. You're a step towards getting to commit for 13 weeks or for a year. So, uh, and this is helping. Uh, let me share with you one more thing, Jody, about this. I, I was just thinking, I was doing it at a church recently. I was the interim pastor, and they had uh, a member would come up and read the scripture just before the special music, and then I would preach my sermon. And it didn't matter to me. It's a local church. I usually, you know, I don't change people's traditions. I, I focus on more important things. But I had the uh, minister of music change that a little bit. I said, I want you to do this. I said, I you to enlist somebody to come and read the scripture from the pulpit. I said, but I want his family standing there with him hmm. while dad's reading the scripture. Or while mom's reading, or the teenager for that matter. If the teenager's reading the scripture, I want the whole family standing around them. Because those teens will not remember my sermons. 
But when they're 35 years old, they'll remember standing up there reading the scripture with mom and dad standing around them in the pulpit in the church. Or remember being eight years old and standing there tugging on daddy's leg while he's reading the scripture or praying or whatever. So I think there's several ways we can we can apply this. But the bottom line is we've got to help parents understand uh, you're you're energizing the faith of your child when they see you serving. Yeah, and I think the key takeaway there is find a way to not just engage and involve, but empower your parents. And so you may have parents who will, I mean, it's, it's one thing to come and, and kind of plug in and help with snacks and stuff. And I think that's a first step, and we certainly need to be doing that. But if you can set a parent up for an easy win like that when it comes to discipling and modeling that for their family and for their kids, you gain not just benefit for that family, but in that parent's eyes, Man, that you talk about relationships that that catapults you so far forward. You benefit also, and this is a, a selling point. I hate to use that word, but for service, I mean to let parents know again that this does make a difference and to encourage them. And I, I want to say to our audience listening, and that's one of the first big lessons I learned as a student pastor. I, I rocked along for about a year with me doing my thing and my Bible study leader, Sunday school at that point, doing their thing, and there was really no connection. And I learned very quickly that every time I would enlist and begin training an adult to serve alongside me, our group would go, grow by about eight. <laughs> and I started out with three leaders and uh, finished 10 years later with over 100 leaders. Wow. So that tells you how many we had in our group, several hundred, uh, probably the largest one in our state at that point. And one of the keys was getting adults on board serving. But it also, looking back now, I realized that was having an added benefit. I was helping those parents communicate something to their children by serving alongside me. I thought they were helping me and they were, but they were really helping their children to, uh, you know, to, to their own, you know, uh, children who were in the student group. I say children. When I say, ch- I'm going to use that generic, you know, teenagers. Sure. Sure. Uh, their children, uh, they were helping them to, uh, there's no guarantees. There's exceptions to everything, but they were strengthening the faith of their children as their children, teenagers were seeing mom and dad serve. Yeah. And I think if anything, it just encourages parents even more that, they really do have influence and their kids really do listen to them because I don't right. think they always feel that way. And our culture would kind of as a whole would, would tell them that the opposite is true, that your kids won't listen to you, that they don't care what you say. And we, we, we straight up poll our kids every year um, with, a, with just a real anonymous survey. How often do you read the Bible with your parents? How often do you pray with your parents? Um, I wish I prayed with my parents the less same the more. I wish I read the Bible the less same more. If your parents gave you advice, how likely would you be to follow it? I, and then one, you know, I wish my parents knew blank about me or my generation. And overwhelmingly, I mean, there's probably only a handful that wouldn't follow the parents' advice. And to be to be really honest, in in some cases in years past, at some there have been parents that I wouldn't follow their advice. Right. You know, they're just really not really making great life choices for their family, but the but their kids at the end of the day still want to hear from them and, and they want right. to be led in the home. That's true. That, that's again, a good segue to uh, another thing we found was that those who are still in church as adults, they had a close relationship to both mom and dad when they were growing up. And mm-hmm. here's another way that youth leaders, particularly youth pastors can uh, pour into students Jody, you and I both know from working with teenagers, there's a couple things working against parents. Uh, first is the natural inclination of a teen to pull away from parents. It's part of growing up. 
seeking their independence. And, and we, we were there. We appreciate that teenagers are there. And then the responsibility of a, of a parent to provide discipline or correction, which can cause tension in relationships. That's just the way it goes. And so how are we helping as youth pastors, how are we helping parents, you know, to find that good balance of discipline so that they're not uh, totally undermining the relationship with their children? Because I want to go back to my point. The ones that are still in church, they said they were close to both mom and dad when they were growing up. So how can we as youth pastors help help that to happen? Yeah. And I think a lot of times you'll see one parent or the other, but how do we encourage both parents to have that relationship and to be close? And, you know, again, that just takes intentionality on our part as a youth pastor to kind of facilitate that. And, and really it takes us looking at what we do as a partnership rather, you know, than kind of this uh, almost like a soccer practice where I'm going to drop your, my kid off and you're going to teach him to play soccer. Well, I'm going to drop my kid off and you're going to teach him the Bible. Um, and, and sometimes as a youth pastors, I think we kind of want to take credit when there's credit to take and we cast blame when we, when things don't go great, you know, we'll blame the parents when things are screwing up, but when things are going great, we want to take all the credit for that. And we've just got to be honest and back away and look for opportunities to come alongside parents and families and encourage them. And again, give them some easy wins and help them build those relationships, even outside of just okay, here's a family devotion to do, or here's, you know, let me help you shepherd and pastor and lead your family in, in, in the gospel sense. But no, let me just help you build a really good relationship with your kid. You know, a couple of things too here, since we're working with students and one thing's going to happen, they're naturally, they're going to come to us sometimes with some of their problems with their parents. And we have to be cautious like with, with the pastor earlier. We've got to be cautious not to undermine the parent. And we can be sympathetic to some degree with the child, but we can't say anything that's going to undermine that relationship and respect of the parent. And so we have to walk a fine line there, you know, in order to do that. Yeah. And I think you can, I think every youth pastor can probably relate to a, a, a similar scenario where you've been pouring in, you've been investing into the life of a student for, you know, a long, long time, working through some stuff. You go on a camp or retreat or someplace, and then some a, a camp counselor comes in, and you know they're counseling a student in that conversation, and they totally destroy everything you've been trying to work through and, and build right. that and undermine you completely. That is a devastating feeling as a youth pastor, and it's even more so as a parent. Yes, and so you've we've got to champion parents just like we champion the pastor and. You know, you got to, again, it all comes back to those relationships. You know, over the years, you, you'll you develop a, a Bible study or a sermon that God just seems to use every time you uh, get to share it. And one that of a few that I've just literally preached for years uh, started with students is how to gain and maintain your parents' trust. Hmm. And literally, I've even used it in churches where I've served as interim pastor and preached it because uh, as leaders, again, we need to help uh, teenagers see their role. Uh, they bear some responsibility also. You know, talk about the close relationship to mom and dad. Well, we got to deal with who's in front of us. If mom and dad are in front of me, I'm going to help them see how to enhance that relationship with their child. But as a youth pastor, usually it's the teenager in front of me. So I've got to do things to help students see how they can have better relationships with mom and dad. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Let me share another uh, thing we discovered here uh, I thought was very intriguing we we discovered that, and this was not a surprise, the first part of it's not, that the, the black hole 
uh, for dropping out of church was the college years. So that's not a big surprise. But here was the one I thought was very uh, intriguing was the ones who grew up in church and they're still there. Uh, they said that their church had a strong ministry for college age students. And uh, let me tell you why this is important. And I almost said again for them at this point, they said their that their home church had a strong ministry for college age students. And Jody, you know that I I am in a lot of churches. I mean, literally well over a hundred a year, and I have audits of, of several hundred a year. If I were to have twenty pastors and youth pastors in front of me right now, and I was talking about their Bible study organization, what do they call it? Sunday school, small groups, home groups, whatever you call it, the least likely group that a church has is the college age group. Now, as I say college age group, not everybody goes to college. I'm talking about the 18 to 21 year old. Right. So same descriptive college age for the typical teenager in a typical church. When they graduate high school, the next Bible study group for them is the young married group. And you and I know that an 18 year old fresh out of high school is not going to attend a young married Bible study that's got people in there who are up to 40 and 50 years of age on top of that. And so we, we've got as churches to find a way, even the smallest of us, when I say smallest of us, smallest of our churches must find a way to provide a ministry, just like with students, a ministry targeted and designed for the college age student. And I think the youth pastor can play a role here. And I don't know what your experience is, but I'd be glad to share a little of mine. Yeah, we had, so I had, um, I, I, I shared this, I think, in uh, in the last episode, um, I had an opportunity recently to sit down with about ten college students who are not a part of our ministry here, um, and just kind of ask some questions to them. And one of the questions that actually they asked me was that they would like to know what churches think about when they think of college students. And I said, "Well, what do you feel like they think?" And uh, and so one, I got two responses from them, and they all kind of agreed that. The first was that when they think of college students, they think of kids who just party and don't take anything serious, um, which in a lot of cases, to be honest, is probably well-deserved. And and the other was that they think they just don't think about them, that they feel largely ignored. And I thought that spoke volumes to the to what you're talking about right here, that it, largely that's probably true. This research affirms exactly what they just said to you. I, I could not agree with them more. I, I hate to say that. I'm just being honest, and uh, I'm you know trying to be uh, brutally honest about it. Churches are 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 failing at this point, quite frankly, because uh, I find college A students uh, will respond if there's something targeted towards them. Let me tell you, as a youth pastor, and a lot of you can relate to this. When I went in, there was no college ministry, and then I had students graduating, and so. A lot of them wanted to stay back into the in the youth ministry, and and that was good on some levels, uh, but it became problematic when you've got nineteen and twenty year olds in there with your freshman and high, you know sophomore girls in high school, and so I had to start making some adjustments early in my ministry. And one was I started a college age Bible study every other Friday night. May not sound like much. We started with just five or six college students. But it really blossomed and grew, and we developed a college-age ministry out of that, and I was ultimately able to move it on to somebody else who took ownership of it. But I had to kind of get the ball rolling because I knew the students, and I had the, the burden. 
So I'm not trying to lay more on the youth pastors who are listening, but especially if you're just been in church two or three years, you're beginning to see this, you may need to take some initiative here to get the ball rolling. Uh, sometimes in the absence of a youth ministry, uh, there's certainly no college ministry. I've never known a church had a college ministry and no youth ministry. Uh, but so we're going to find ourselves as youth pastors having to tackle this a little bit, although it's not our main focus, helping these college students with their transition. Yeah. And, you know, you're not investing in the life of a student all those years to just kind of turn your back on them. So right. I think every youth pastor can relate to that scenario. I know I've been there and, you know, you're the natural fit. You're the natural fit to get that going. You already have that relationship. And, you know, that's a great place, again, to maybe pull in some parents or some other folks along the way and empower and equip them to be able to take that and run with it, too. Right. Hey, let me share with you another thing, too, that was a, a similar subject. It, it has to do with uh, the post-high school transition. Uh, so the local church has a strong college ministry, but, you know, some stay home, some go to college. But even if you say, well, all of our students went off to college, well, there's People in the community, every community has 18 to 22-year-olds, no matter where you live, and some more than others, certainly. But we also found that those who are still in church uh, as adults who grew up in church, they immediately connected with another church upon their post-high school uh, transition. In other words, if they stayed home, there was a ministry in their church, so they stayed. But for those who moved off to college, moved 75, 100, 200 miles away, they quickly made a connection on the other side. And I, I said that, Jody, to say this. I imagine that most who are listening to this podcast, if not all, had students who graduated last May, some of whom have uh, moved off to college. So here's my rhetorical question. For those students who graduated last May, what have you as a church done for them since September, since they went off to school? What have you done to minister to them? Because what I'm finding, Jody, uh, I don't think we meant to do this, but Quite frankly, we're washing our hands after students graduate many of our churches and thinking the job is done. And it's not until they connect on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And again, I feel like I'm, we're just kind of beating this drum, but it just comes back to relationships and intentionality that you're, you want to see them through and help them find that connection and that relationship on the other side. Uh, and and I think there's a million ways that you could do that in a whole different context, depending on where you are and the size of your church. But yeah, you, we just can't forget about those guys. And, and, and here's an issue. Here's an issue that, that I'll, and I think I mentioned this to you when we talked. One of the things that I think I see a lot with that age that go off to college is a lot of them are plugging into their campus ministries. And that is kind of becoming church for them. And they're not really getting plugged into a local church. And that, that's a little, that's difficult to navigate. And every time I have an opportunity to speak to those guys, I'm hammering them to get plugged into a local church. Um, and so I think as a youth pastor on the front end, we've got to be mindful of, of the danger of that. Not that campus ministers are bad. They're, they're not. They're phenomenal, but they can't be the church. They're not the church. And we have to be proactive with those kids before they graduate and really start laying the foundation of the importance of a local body outside of those things. Jody, you, there are two thoughts I, I want to follow up on. One, you said the word intentionality. Uh, that was a key word. We've mentioned relationships earlier, but uh, someone in the church has to take ownership of maintaining a connection with the students who have moved off to school. You don't have to hound them. You don't have to call them every week, but there needs to be, you know, every month something needs to be done to encourage them. And it's light-handed accountability when you call and you're just interacting. You say, well, what churches have you visited? 
Uh, have you found a church? Uh, do you need any recommendations for a church? And so a youth pastor can do that, a volunteer. But, you know, somebody has to take ownership to do that, uh, to make sure they're making that connection on the other end. The other thing is, and I love our campus ministers and campus ministries, and I want to uh, encourage and uh, endorse those for our college students. However, there never needs to be a point in our life, I don't think, where we're disconnected from the generations. And when you're when you're exclusively attending that uh, campus Bible study ministry, which, again, I, I commend, what are you doing with senior adults? What are you doing with, with uh, you know, those in their 40s and 50s? It's important for us to have mentors and people around us, but also important that we're mentoring others. And so, you know, college life is a natural time to be investing in the lives of students yourself because high school students look up to college students. So I think uh, there's a lot of reasons to be involved in local church, and the generational component is one of those. Yeah, and I remember you sharing this one, this point, and statistically, this one was off the charts. Like, it wasn't even close. That's true. Uh, we found that they were, listen to this percentage, because it is huge. We found they were 138% more likely to stray uh, if they moved off and did not connect. That is devastating. If if they don't plug in, I mean, that that's that's just devastating. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's hard to come back from that. Yeah, so I want to encourage uh, those who are listening right now. I want you to, uh, literally this week to go pull up a list somehow, hold a list of who graduated last May, where are they, where are they going to church? You say, well, I don't know. Find out. Yeah. And if they're not going, you know, again, I'm not saying hound them. I'm saying encourage them, and that's what we do. We exhort. We encourage, and uh, that's part of our ministry to be mm-hmm. exhorters and encouragers to so those who have grown up in our ministry. And our, and just to say again, your your responsibility is not done upon graduation. Uh, we need to be sure there's a transition that takes place, and we're, in essence, when I say handing them off, I mean that in a positive light. We're handing them off to another college pastor, youth pastor, senior pastor, to another congregation. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. So, um, man, that's, I know we could go forever here, and I, I could talk to you forever about this stuff. I know this research you're working on, putting this together and publishing this, is that correct? We are, Jody. I'm about a halfway through writing now. This is a project. Tom Kreitz, he's a research specialist at the Georgia Baptist Convention. We've uh, conducted the research together. We're dividing the writing. I'm kind of the captain of the ship on this project and very excited. And it's going to be in the form of a book eventually. And our working title is Why They Stayed. If you can imagine the word strayed with the R marked out instead of why they strayed, why they stayed. Now, I don't know what the publisher will do, and we're in negotiations right now with a major publisher, and hopefully it's going to work out. It'll be published one way or the other, whether it's with a major publisher or not. But we've got a verbal commitment, but it's like closing a house. It's not done until you sign on the dotted line. <laughs> right. So uh, hopefully this is going to come to fruition. But we're we're proceeding, and hopefully in 2016 this will be out there. But as you know from this podcast, we're not waiting to release information that can help uh, youth pastors and churches and help parents. And so we, we want to do that. And so I uh, just hope that uh, our listeners will be watching, not just for this, but anything written by Steve Parr, several books out there on uh, small groups, Sunday school, uh, the novel you talked about. And uh, I'm working on right now a, a book, probably do an e-book for this one, uh, 10 Things a Leader Should Never Say. And it'd be very, very appropriate for a youth pastor and leadership to read. And I'm excited about what God's going to do with it also. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'll put links to all that in the show notes uh, as well. Yeah, please follow me on Twitter, Steve R. My middle name is Russell, Steve R. Parr, and Parr is P-A-R-R. 
uh, visit steveparr.net uh, site. We're really uh, going under some revisions. Really, the next couple of months going to be some new things coming out there. But you can get my resources, find out my speaking schedule, find out how you can contact with me. Pretty much you can go there and and uh, get what you need about Steve Parr. If I can be a, an encouragement to anybody in ministry, uh, I want to do that. I love training trainers and training leaders, and God's given me that uh, platform, and I'm grateful for it. Gosh. Well, thank you, Steve, so much for coming on and sharing this. I'm excited to see uh, kind of what all comes out from it when the book's done. And we'll be sure to let our listeners and those who follow the blog um, know once that's once out. And again, all these links we'll put in the show notes. Go get the coffee shop that changed the church. If you do nothing else, uh, you will not regret it. I promise. You should probably buy a couple copies so you can give one away because um, otherwise you'll be replacing your own over and over like I've done. Uh, but Steve's a great guy. I, I encourage you to, to follow closely to what he does. He, he's on the forefront of a lot of good, good research and, and in the know. Sees a lot of churches, a lot of folks. So thanks, Steve, for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jody. And for all those listening, thank you. And look forward to hearing from you down the road. All right. Thanks, Steve. And there you have it. Another episode in the books and a great, great episode at that. Just really, really good, actionable, solid content. And, and what I love about it is that it it's legit. Like it's not somebody guessing or somebody um, thinking and looking that it, it's it's real um, sound research and, and it's good and actionable for us. So hopefully you'll be able to take this, go back, really think through that, talk, talk through that with your team if you have uh, folks around you uh, or at least as a church staff even beyond that. But some things that you can do and begin to do as a result to help ensure that those students are staying put and staying in uh, in church and and staying with the faith over uh, over the longer haul of their their life um, there. So again, all the resource uh, all the resources and links and things that we mentioned in this episode you can find in the show notes over at longerhall.com slash episode zero zero seven. Longerhall.com slash episode zero zero seven. So be sure and head over there and check out all the links for those. As well as any comments or questions you may have, you can leave those on that page as well. Again, if you're enjoying the podcast, you're finding it helpful and useful, please head over to iTunes and uh, subscribe and leave a review there. That's at thelongerhall.com slash iTunes. I really appreciate it. It helps other folks find the podcast. Super encouraging for me as well. And I just love to hear uh, your thoughts, your honest thoughts on the podcast if you're finding it helpful in all that stuff. So until next time, we'll see you in the next episode. Be sure to head over to longerhall.com for uh, extra resources and all kinds of goodies and things to help you along and encourage you in your ministry so that you can survive and thrive in this thing we call youth ministry. And until next time, give them Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.